Well, tonight we are beginning our final teaching series of the school year. We've only got five more Wednesday nights left before we go on, on summer break. It's our final teaching series of the school year. And the name of this series is Beneath the Surface. Beneath the Surface. And for the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of the most interesting stories that Jesus ever told. You see, Jesus was a master storyteller. And when Jesus would teach, when Jesus would communicate truth, he used stories as his primary way to teach. He was a master storyteller, and he was famous for using these stories that we call parables. And parables were these, these basic stories that people could easily relate to. They would involve everyday, ordinary situations. But whenever Jesus would tell the, the, these parables, there was always a, a deeper meaning in the story. There was always a, a spiritual meaning kind of buried beneath the surface. And unless you were really paying attention, unless you were really seeking, unless you were really listening, you would miss what Jesus was actually trying to say. And tonight we're going to jump into one of the, the, the most famous parables that Jesus ever told, one of the most challenging, and it's found in Matthew chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there. If not, the verses will be on the screen. But in Matthew 13, starting in verse 1, it says this. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. So as large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat, he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. So at this point in Jesus' ministry, he's kind of become quite the celebrity. He's developed a, a pretty large following, and people are traveling miles to hear Jesus teach. They're traveling miles to see these, these miracles. They want to see in person this guy that they've heard so much about. And on this particular day, there are so many people there, it's so crowded that Jesus has to get into a boat, he has to kind of go out a distance into the water so everybody can see him, and that's when he begins to teach. He's in the boat, all the people are gathered along the shore, and he starts to teach them. Verse 3 says this, and he told them many things in, in parables. He started to tell them these, these stories, and he said this, a farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came, and they ate it up. Some, it fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed, it fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown you think he said, whoever has ears, let them hear. So Jesus, he begins to tell this story about this farmer and these seeds and, and this soil. And, and, and for most of us in here, we're not around a whole lot of farming. Unless you go to Duran or Plant City, you're, you're probably not around a whole lot of farming unless you're, you're, you're a bit of a redneck or you go to, go to Duran or, or Plant City. Make some noise for that. Boom, uh, that's the Newsome crowd. Y'all just hang out at the country clubs. You would never be caught dead on a farm. Except Noah Hamrick. Noah Hamrick would. So he's telling this story uh, uh, about a, a farmer and seed and soil. And for most of us in here, that's kind of a, a hard thing for us to picture. But for Jesus' original audience, this would have been very easy for them to relate to. Because in his day, being a farmer was one of the primary jobs. And, and all these people who are listening, they either are a farmer themselves or somebody they know really well is, is a farmer. This is something they could easily relate to. 
But here's the thing. Jesus isn't teaching a lesson on farming. He's not trying to give them advice about how to grow better crops. He's not teaching a high school agriculture class. Like, that's, that's not the point. In this story, there's a deeper spiritual meaning. There's a deeper spiritual truth hidden beneath the surface. And this truth that we're going to see in this story tonight, it has incredible relevance, incredible importance for my life and for your life today. So Jesus, he tells this story, and then listen to what the disciples say, verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? The disciples knew, like, Jesus is trying to communicate something. Jesus isn't actually talking about farming. But they go to him, and they're like, why, why do you use parables? Why don't you just tell them what you want them to know? Why don't you make it easy for them? Why are you trying to almost hide the truth and this story, why don't you just tell them the meaning of the story and listen to how Jesus responds, verse 13. He says, this is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they don't actually see. Though hearing, they do not actually hear or understand. What's Jesus talking about? Jesus is saying, look, you see all these people you see all these people who are here to, to hear me teach? You see all these people who are here to, to see me perform these miracles? They're not actually listening. They don't really understand. And it's not because my message is over their head. It's not because my message is too difficult. It's because they aren't really paying attention. They're not really seeking out the truth. And Jesus, what he's doing is he's trying to, to weed out the people with the wrong motivations. The people who are there for self-serving reasons. The people who are just there to, to be entertained by Jesus and his stories and his miracles. He's trying to find the people who are actually trying to follow him. The people who are actually seeking after truth. And if they're really seeking, if they're really listening, they'll get it. They'll understand what Jesus is talking about. And in verse 18, Jesus says this. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. He says, look, I'm gonna to explain to you what I'm really getting at here. He says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So Jesus, he's talking with his disciples and he begins to explain what this parable is all about. And he says that the seed in the story it represents the message of the kingdom. It's the gospel. It's the, it's the good news of, of Jesus. And then the soil, the different kinds of soil, represent the different responses to the good news. So Jesus is saying as the, ski, the, the, the seed is scattered, as it's thrown out, as the, the message of Jesus is communicated, it falls on different kinds of soil. People respond differently to the message of Jesus. They respond differently to the gospel. And the first response that, that Jesus is focused on here is the, is the represented by the hard path, the hard path. And here he talks about the seed that falls on this hard ground. And before it has a chance to, to take root, before it has a chance to actually grow, he says the birds, they come along and they take away the seed. And essentially this, this seed, it's, it's, it's wasted. And Jesus is saying, this is how it is for many people who hear the gospel. They go to church and they hear a sermon or a friend shares with them about Jesus. 
but the message, it, it falls on a hard heart. They don't understand it. They don't accept it. It's not because it's, it's too difficult to understand. It's not because they're not able to. It's because they don't want to. They resist it. They ignore it. And when that happens, he says the enemy, Satan, he comes and he takes away the seed that has been sown in their heart. You see, people who have heard the message of Jesus over and over and over and who refuse to respond to it, who refuse to believe it, they are in a very dangerous place because the more they refuse, the more they resist this message, what happens is their heart grows harder and harder. It becomes more and more calloused. And as they continue to hear this message, because their heart is so hard, the seed is not even able to get into their heart anymore. They're not even able to receive the message. It's like it's just fallen on hard ground. And I'm afraid that there's many people who grow up in church, maybe even you tonight, and you've heard the message of Jesus over and over and over. You've been hearing about it since you were five years old. In Sunday school, at VBS, at camp on a Wednesday night, you've heard the message of Jesus so long, so many times. But because you've never really done anything with it, because you've never really taken it seriously, your heart has grown hard. Your heart has become calloused. And even tonight, even on Sundays, even on Wednesdays, as you hear the message, it doesn't even register with you anymore. It has no effect on you anymore. This is the seed that falls on the hard path. And then Jesus goes on, he says this, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Here, the, the second response to the gospel is represented by the rocky ground. The rocky ground. And here, the seed, it finds its way to soil. But the soil is filled with, with rocks. And when the plant begins to, to grow, its roots are, are really shallow because it's filled and, and soil that's filled with rocks. And when the sun begins to scorch this plant, it dries up, it withers, it dies because its roots are shallow, it's not able to endure. And you see, this is a very common response to the gospel, a very common response to the message of Jesus. Somebody hears the message of Jesus and Jesus says they receive it with joy. Hey, I can be saved. Hey, I can go to heaven. They accept this message. They believe in it but they don't really understand it. They don't really get it. They don't really know what it means to trust in Jesus. And then as life begins to get tough, as they begin to, to face trials, when, when following Jesus isn't easy anymore, when following Jesus doesn't feel like it's very fun anymore, because their, their roots are so shallow, because they don't really understand, their faith, it begins to wither. It begins to dry up. And they end up just walking away. You know, this is the, the student who goes to camp or they go to movement weekend or they come on a Wednesday night and they hear the message of Jesus about how they can be saved, about how they can be rescued. And the band is playing. The lights are real low. It's, it's real emotional. And they pray a prayer. They raise their hand. They say yes to Jesus. But they don't really understand what they're committing to. It's really just a, an emotional response to this message that they're hearing. And for a few weeks, they're really excited 
They're reading their Bible. They're going to church. They might even get baptized. They're, they're pumped about Jesus. But then all the emotions, they, they start to wear off. Life gets tough. Life gets challenging. Following Jesus isn't easy and fun anymore. And rather than really pressing in, rather than pressing on and enduring, they begin to fade away because there really isn't a whole lot of substance. Their roots are shallow. This is the seed that falls on the rocky ground. And then Jesus goes on. He says this. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, they choke the word, making it unfruitful. And here the third response is represented by, by the thorns. And here the, the seed, it falls in, in the soil filled with, with thorns. The seed, it takes root, and this plant begins to grow. But the plant is never able to thrive. It's never able to produce fruit because the thorns, they're choking the life of the plant. It's never able to reach its fullest potential. And you see, I think this is the most common response that we find in the church today. Someone, they hear the message of Jesus, and they receive it. They understand it. They believe it. It's not just some emotional response. They understand what they're committing to. And they, they, don't, they don't walk away. They're committed. They, they press on. They endure. They do the church thing their entire life. They follow the rules their entire life. But their heart, it's divided. They aren't all in. They have one foot in with Jesus and one foot in with the world. They're never able to fully commit to following Jesus. And here Jesus points out two things that so often divide our heart that pull us away from Jesus. The first one he talks about is the worries of life. The worries of life, things like, where am I going to go to college? Who am I going to marry? What am I going to do for a career? Am I going to have enough money? What are people going to think about me? Am I going to succeed? Am I going to fail? And we can become so overwhelmed with these worries. We can become so overwhelmed with these, these anxious thoughts that we're not able to fully follow Jesus because something is always pulling our attention, our focus, our way, our heart. It's divided. And Jesus says then that the second thing that can divide our heart, that can pull us away, he says, is the deceitfulness of wealth. It's this constant discontentment where what we have is it's never enough. We're on this constant pursuit of more. More money, more clothes, more stuff, more cars. I need to make more, I need to earn more, I need to have more. And we spend our entire life chasing after this thing that we think is gonna satisfy us, but we're never able to obtain it. And when we get to that level, when we finally get more, it doesn't actually satisfy us. Students, we can become so preoccupied and overwhelmed with the what-ifs and the unknowns in life. We can become so preoccupied with making more and earning more that we never really thrive in our faith. We never reach our fullest potential. We never bear fruit like Jesus is talking about because our heart, it's divided. Our loyalty is divided. We're being choked out by the thorns. But then Jesus ends by saying this, but the seed falling on good soil, this refers to someone who hears the word and truly 
understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And here the final response to the gospel is represented by the good soil. And here the seed, it falls on soil that is rich and, and deep. But the seed, it doesn't just take root. The seed, it doesn't just grow into a plant. It thrives. It produces a crop. It produces fruit. It produces something 160, 30 times more than what was sown. And you see, this is a picture of someone who truly understands the message of Jesus. It's not just some emotional response where they pray a prayer, raise their hand, and then they fade away. Their heart's not divided. They don't have one foot with Jesus and one foot with the world. No, they truly get it. The message of Jesus, it has taken root in their heart. They don't just believe the right things about Jesus. They've actually surrendered their life to Jesus. And it has produced fruit in their life. What, what does that mean? What, what does that look like for, for Jesus to produce fruit in our life? Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 5. He says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence that you have given your life to Jesus, he says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He's saying for someone who has truly responded to Jesus, their life is marked by love for others. Their life is marked by joy and difficult trials, by peace in the middle of chaos, by faithfulness during hardships. You see, just as, as fruit on a, on a plant, catch this, just as fruit on a plant is evidence that there's good soil, our lives are evidence of how we've responded to Jesus. Your actions, your words, the way you live your life reveals whether or not you have truly trusted in Jesus. Listen, we aren't saved by what we do, but what we do reveals whether or not we are truly saved. The fruit in our life, or lack of fruit in our life, reveals the kind of soil that we are, the kind of soil that represents our hearts. So students, I just wonder this tonight, which soil represents your life? Like, think about that. Which soil represents your response to Jesus? Is your heart hard? Where you've heard the message of Jesus so many times since you were five years old, and it doesn't even register anymore. It doesn't even produce any emotion. You don't even think about it. It just goes over your head. Your heart is hard. Maybe for some of you, your response to Jesus, it was a Wednesday night. It was a camp. It was a movement weekend. It was VBS. You prayed a prayer. You raised your hand, and that was about it. When the emotions faded, you just kind of walked away. Maybe for you, if you really evaluate your life, your heart is divided. Yes, you believe, but there's so many things drawing your attention away. Your heart is divided. Your loyalty is divided. Or maybe for you, you really have received the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus has taken root in your life. There's fruit, there's evidence that God is working. Listen, my, my goal tonight 
isn't to make you doubt your salvation. It's not to to freak you out and, and make you to question everything. But my goal is for you to honestly evaluate your life. Like, take a look at your life. Is there fruit in your life? Is there evidence that you've actually given your life to Jesus? What kind of soil represents your heart and your life? So with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, and maybe tonight you recognize, man, I, I don't really know if I've trusted in Jesus. When, when, when I look at my life, I don't see a lot of fruit. I don't see a lot of evidence. Yeah, I, I prayed a prayer at one point. I raised my hand at one point, but now I don't know if it's real. I don't know if I've really trusted in Jesus. I don't know if I'm that good soil. If that's you tonight, if if you're really struggling with that, if you're really wrestling with that, I don't want you to leave tonight with any doubts. And you don't have to. Tonight, you can leave knowing that you have truly trusted in Jesus, that the message of Jesus has taken root in your heart. And here's the message of Jesus, just simple and clear. I learned this when I was a little kid. It sounds cheesy, but it's A, that you admit to God that you're a sinner, that you recognize that we have all sinned, we have all fallen short of God's perfect standard, and because of our sin, we are separated from God, and we are deserving of hell, we are deserving of an eternity separated from God. We admit that. B, we believe that Jesus is God, that Jesus came and he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross in our place, that he rose from the dead. And then see, we confess that Jesus is not just our Savior, but he's our Lord. We are surrendering our lives to him. That's what it means to respond to the gospel, to admit, to believe, to confess. That's what it means to give your life to Jesus. And if tonight you recognize, now I have not really done that, I want to give you that opportunity. I want to lead you in a a prayer. This isn't some special, magical prayer. There's nothing fancy about these words. But if you call out to God sincerely and genuinely from your heart, the Bible tells us that God promises to save, to rescue those who call on his name. And tonight, if that's you, I'm going to give you that opportunity. All you have to do is, is pray in your heart, pray to God, and say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I know I can't save myself. I believe that Jesus lived a perfect life. I believe that Jesus died in my place. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And tonight, I give you my life. Tonight, I ask you to rescue me. Tonight, I ask you save me. If you've prayed that prayer tonight, if you've called on God, if you've admitted, if you've believed, if you've confessed, you can leave knowing with 100% certainty that you are that good soil, that the message of Jesus has taken root in your heart. Before we finish tonight, before we worship, 
Now, I just want to ask you, if you prayed that prayer tonight, if you called out to Jesus to rescue you and to save you, I just want to ask you to to, to do something a little bit bold. Nobody's going to be looking around. I just want to ask you to, to slip up your hand, to raise your hand wherever you're seated. If tonight you prayed that prayer, if you asked Jesus to save you right now, just to lift up your hand. Nobody's looking around. See your hands in the back. I see your hand here in the middle. See your hands over here to my right. You can put your hands back down. Listen, if you prayed that prayer tonight, it is the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And we would love to connect with you before you leave tonight. We're not going to do anything weird. We don't want to embarrass you. But you can find myself. You can find John. You can find one of the adult leaders and just tell us, hey, I I prayed that prayer. And we just want to help you with your relationship with Jesus. We want to help you take those next steps. God, we love you. We thank you that through you we can have eternal life, that we can be saved, we can be rescued. And God, I thank you for the students tonight who finally got that right, who can leave tonight with the confidence knowing that they have a relationship with you, that their spot in heaven is secured, that you've loved them, that you've saved them, and that you've rescued them. As we praise you now, as we sing, as we worship God, we love you. We thank you for how you've moved tonight. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.